So tell me, man, how's this year's crop of freshman chicks looking? <laughs> what, you're gonna end up in jail sometime really soon, I know that. Fact. No, man, yeah. no, man, tell you. Yeah. That's what I love about these high school girls, man. I get older, they stay the same age. <laughs> yes, they do. Yes, they do. Teenagers cruise around their Texas town on the last day of high school. Listen as we discuss the band James learned about from Guitar Hero, chastity pledges that are downright lies, and the worst hazing we've ever experienced. All right, all right, all right. We're finding out if dazed and confused stands the test of time. James and Alan have their say Do the movies you love still hold up today? James says gladiator with a glut Alan says as a father blah blah It's the test of time James and Alan have their say Do the movies you love still hold up today? Test of time James and Alan have their say Do the movies you love still hold up today? Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Test of Time. My name is Alan Noah, and I am here, as always, with my buddy, my pal, James Brief. Hello, everyone, and it's a pleasure to join you for the, well, almost the 400th time. Wow. This is 377. I didn't even mention that when we did Lost in Translation, that was 375, and we had done Rushmore at 350, and I don't know that that really matters, but something about Bill Murray every 25 episodes, I don't know, that we'll continue that, but 377. We'll be at 400 before you know it. Uh, But today we're talking about Dazed and Confused, and there's an element in this movie of hazing, where uh, the high school seniors beat up the high school freshmen, and I thought we could just take a minute before we get into the movie to talk about what it was like when you and I were hazed, because we were in a fraternity together, we pledged together, and we were hazed not really that badly at all. Well, I mean, we were hazed, but we were not hazed in the Hollywood type of hazing. We were never forced to drink anything. Right. Um, We had to be places for a long time. We had to run on ridiculous errands. We had to do all kinds of... uh, psychological uh, experiments that we didn't know we were being uh, psychologically tortured. But um, Torture! Yeah, not torture, not torture. I mean, it really wasn't bad. If you had to quit our fraternity, it was probably because of, like, time commitment or something. It wasn't too bad. No, no, it really, really wasn't. And every now and again, the kids will say something like, oh, what was the worst thing that ever happened? And my answer is always the same. I'm curious what you think was the worst thing that ever happened to you. But the one thing that I always remember is there was some stupid event where we had to like eat gross stuff. And the two gross things that I remember eating was just eating a raw onion, like taking a bite out of it like an apple, which is gross, but, you know, not poison, not the worst thing, you know, you could ever eat. And I think they call them bouillon cubes you know like those like little concentrated things like for soup or whatever bouillon cubes i mean of course me pronouncing it correctly oh i always pronounce it uh bouillon cubes fine whatever i remember i had to eat one of those and it was like the saltiest most disgusting thing i ever ate but i was fine like my point is that was the worst thing that ever happened to me that wasn't so bad 
Yeah, I mean, it was more annoying. Like some of the seniors would bring you over to their place and you had to clean it up. Or one jerk, this alumnus, uh, he came and he was like, I want a bowl of fruity pebbles, but I don't want any purple ones or, you know, whatever color it was. And no green ones in there. So I had to literally sit through. It really takes you like an hour and a half to do that to get a bowl of it and then the second he does he like pours it out and is like nah I don't want any fruity pebbles anymore and it's probably smart because we had like touched every pebble in, in that bowl wait did we do that together I remember doing that in my dorm room or did he ask us to do that like separately no I think we did it maybe together we might have done it in a dorm room yeah and we had to separate it there we were sorting it on my dorm room floor which was disgusting. I, I remember us being so mad at it, like not caring that we were probably getting some hairs in it and oh, stuff yeah. and being like, I remember thinking like, we're going to get the last laugh because he's got to eat it. And then realizing later, like, of course, idiot, he wasn't going to eat this. Right, right. The goal of pledging, in my opinion, was to bring the pledge class together. And I think it did a fantastic job in it. We had a very small pledge class. We started out as 10 people. We wound up with eight but uh, four of us are still uh, very close today. We talk all the time and go away together still to this day. Pledging, I really liked it because it wasn't that bad. I think of my worst hazing, honestly, is probably more um, uh, internship and residency. And sure. Even like medical school, like going in, the second year is kind of haze the first years. And the, not hazing, but there's like organized things that everyone would do to each other. Like an organized like roasting night that the, the second years do the first years. And then at the end of the year, the first years will do back to second years because they're not the rookies anymore. But n- nothing like in this film and nothing like you see on TV. One thing our fraternity never, ever had us do, which I was appreciative of, is public humiliation. There would be private embarrassments, definitely. But you kind of had the sense of like, how embarrassing is this? Because everyone here has done it. All right. So let me ask you one thing, because in, in Dazed and Confused, there's a lot of paddling. They whack each other on the ass with these wooden paddles. We had paddles like we had to like make the wooden paddle and decorate the wooden paddle did we get hit with the wooden paddle like once or not at all i really don't remember our entire lineage uh would paddle us and which meant your big brother your big big brother meaning your big brother's big brother and if that person was still there it could be your big 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 or whoever happened to be in the fraternity that time and it was completely up to the brothers about how hard they would hit you. My brother and big brother, uh, they didn't hit me. I mean, they did hit me, but it wasn't anything bad. It was really kind of like, it was something funny. It really reminded me of what Jason London's character does in this film. He wound up and is like, all right, don't clench your cheeks. It's going to hurt more. And then, you know, wound up like everyone's cheering like a big baseball bat. The guy that swings a few times before he does it. And then he tapped me on the butt. Uh, But there were definitely some guys that that got a hit. But they only got one hit. There was certainly no one that wasn't walking. Because our fraternity, I mean, there were some jerks in there. But there were no sadists in our fraternity. Well, that's why I bring it up. Because maybe I got like one super light slap or like one that was like maybe medium. But yeah, I, I genuinely don't think I was paddled more than twice and it didn't hurt and it was fine. And like watching this movie where these kids just get the shit pummeled out of them, just hit again and again and again with these wooden boards. I was like, fuck, like who would agree 
to that. And I think that's a, a, a theme of the movie. We'll, we'll get into it. But I wanted you to sort of tell me if I was remembering that right, because I really don't remember being paddled in a severe way. I will say that there was one of our Pledge Brothers that was paddled harder, and it was like, dude, why is he doing that? Like, it, it didn't fit the theme of it. I think people were more like, oh, that guy got it worse, but he didn't get it that bad. But there was one or two people that were like, dude, don't you see, like, six out of the eight of us, like, everyone's kind of, like, paddling relatively light, guys. It wasn't nothing, but it would really, it, they, they weren't trying to hurt us. But one person did, I do remember, more of a smack. Almost like, did he mean to hit him that hard? Like, <laughs> there was a loud smack at, at some point. Right. I could see that happening accidentally. But also, uh, we didn't have fraternities and sororities in high schools. I know that is a thing that some high schools do have. Right, right. Well, let's talk about this film, uh, 1993's Days and Confused, which takes place in 1976. Mm-hmm. Uh, this film takes place on a single day, the last day of school, and it follows several teenagers as they drive around their Texas town looking for fun. There's Pink, a star football player. He refuses to sign a pledge that says that he won't drink or use drugs all year. There's Mitch, a a freshman. He gets a severe beating, like we just talked about, from a senior. But then he's invited to hang out with the cool kids. Cynthia, Tony, and Mike, they are people that are not usually invited to parties. They get to hang out at an impromptu kegger. Uh, There's a slacker named Wooderson. He graduated several years ago, but he keeps hitting on the high school girls and hanging out with the high school students. This film features a killer soundtrack of classic 70s tunes and showcases early performance from future stars like Matthew McConaughey and Ben Affleck. Right. And so this movie's sort of become like a cult hit over the years, but it wasn't like a box office smash when it came out 30 years ago, right? No, uh, Richard Linklater, uh, he really hasn't had smash hits. I mean, he had School of Rock and, uh, you know, I'm pretty sure the Before Trilogy made money. Otherwise, they wouldn't have kept making them. Right. He's not a uh, money-making director. You know, he's consistently making films and you presume they're kind of making a few million. Put in four million to make eight million. Hell, I would do that if I had four million to... To put into a film. Sure. Boyhood is one of his most famous films. Right. Nominated for Best Picture. So, you know, a Richard Linklater film, at this point at least, it has a stamp of approval. Uh, I will assume that's going to be good. Every film I've seen by him has been very good. Right. But it, but it wasn't like a disaster of a flop either. No. Uh, this film came out on September 24th, 1993. I remember when this came, film came out. It totally wasn't, uh, you know, for us. I mean, this film came out right when we started high school. Uh, the film apparently had a $7 million budget. It made around that much, like maybe $8 million bucks. Some some things I'm seeing. You know, this was a small film. Like, it then made uh, $8 million bucks, And we're talking about it 30 years later. So, yeah. you know, th- this film probably sold a lot lot of dvds uh, like 10 years later uh you know if you were a producer or an investor on this film you probably did very well for yourself in, in the end it's funny you mentioned dvd when i was like gonna watch the movie for the podcast i was like oh i own dazed and confused on dvd and i was wrong i don't own dazed and confused on dvd i thought i did because i do own hold on i'm gonna get them where'd i put them oh, here you go i own both CDs, both of the soundtracks. There's Dazed and Confused and even more Dazed and Confused. I bought these CDs 
I mean, I'm guessing 20 some odd years ago, uh, maybe Courtney got me one of them or both of them. I don't remember. But the soundtrack on this movie is phenomenal. It's some big songs that you know, you know, like some 70s classics. There's Rock and Roll Hoochie Coo, Tush by ZZ Top. And then there's a few that are maybe a little bit more obscure. There's Tuesday's Gone by Leonard Skinnerd. You know, everyone knows Sweet Home Alabama and Freebird. Not everyone knows Tuesday's Gone. Tuesday's Gone is a great song. And I saw today that apparently one-sixth of this movie's budget was spent on getting music rights. I was surprised by that. I would have guessed that number would have been a lot higher. You know, they spent five-sixths of their budget on other stuff? Like, Matthew McConaughey was not pulling a big salary at this time. This is his first movie he was ever in. I was expecting more of the money to have been uh, allocated for music. I was kind of surprised by that. The soundtrack is great, of course, but I don't mean this in a bad way, but it just sounds too much like a Guitar Hero soundtrack. <laughs> like, Slow Ride is like the classic Guitar Hero band hero uh, rock band song now, because that's what the best Guitar Hero rock band songs are. They're 70s rock bands. You got your Led Zeppelin, and you got your uh, Fog Hat. Yeah, and I did not know Fog Hat until, like, uh, Guitar Hero, so it, it is a really good soundtrack. You did mention Led Zeppelin. Led Zeppelin's not on this soundtrack. They named the movie after a Led Zeppelin song, Dazed and Confused. Okay. One of them, Paige Orplant, said yes to licensing the song, and the other one said no. And they needed both of them to say yes. So they could only have the title of the movie be a Led Zeppelin song, and they couldn't actually license that song, which is kind of funny, but whatever. You know, we talked earlier about the hazing and, you know, the hazing still exists now. It's certainly uh, a lot less than it was. And even in our day, it was way less than it ever would have been in uh, probably like the 60s or something. But one thing that shocked me in this film, it's not just that the uh, the seniors go and they bring their pickup truck and they're like, if you line up and get your ass whooping, like, that's all you'll get. But the people that run, they're going to get it worse. And, you know, the teacher that's listening, he's like smiling. And Mitch, the one who's singled out and he's going to get the worst ass kicking of all, he's like... Sir, it's like the last day of school. Could we please, like, just leave a minute early? And his response, I mean, this is 1976. This guy presumably was in Vietnam, like, you know, five years earlier. He goes, you know, when I was in Vietnam, Sarge would tell us, 50 of you boys are going out and 25 of you ain't coming back. And he's basically just telling him, like, nope, sorry, you're going to die today. I mean, I don't think he meant it literally, but I think he meant, nope, you are going to get a beat down. And that's just a rite of passage for you. And I was like, holy shit, I really believe that that was true. I'm not sure how accurate it is. Maybe. I mean, I have no reason to doubt Richard Linklater and, and you know, this movie was based on his experiences. But the approval of all of this. I mean, the uh, the Adam Goldberg character, he calls it out. He's like, this is happening in the school parking lot. The school authorities, the teachers, the coaches, superintendent, whoever, they could shut this shit down and they don't want to. It's fine. This is accepted. Everyone in the town knows like, oh, you just got your ass kicked. Okay, whatever. What else is happening? Like, it is just accepted. And it kind of boggles the mind 
especially because it's not just hazing, it's like beating the fuck out of little kids. They call these kids freshmen on their last day of junior high school. I, I do that to my kids, like on the last day of fourth grade, you know, they come home after that day and I'm like, congratulations, you're a fifth grader. And my daughter's like, dad, not really. I have like three months until I start fifth grade. And I'm like, no, today you are. And they roll their eyes because I'm a corny dad. But in this movie, they follow that rule. Like on your last day of junior high, you are a freshman. So what are you, 13? They are beating the fuck out of 13-year-old kids. And yeah, I'll sound like a hippie pacifist or whatever, but like, it's fucked up, man. <laughs> They're just beating the shit out of little kids. Yeah, I mean, the beating the shit out of it, it is, I mean, paddling is pretty bad. Oh, I, yeah. I remember when we were teenagers, around this time, there was some story of an American backpacker in uh, Singapore that he, I think he did something, maybe spit out gum or something that you spray shouldn't painting? be doing. Spray painted. It's something you're not supposed to do in a foreign country. And he got, I think it's called caned. Yeah. And it's basically being paddled. It's uh, real bad. And there's a scene when uh, Mitch is like, He's clinging to a chain-linked fence and getting uh, caned and beaten. And, like, I was a little disturbed by how sadistic, like, some of these guys were. Well, yeah, and the nice guys are like, yeah, you'll get hit a couple times. And they're not like O'Banion, the Ben Affleck character, who's just really intent on really, really hurting him. But even, like, the nice seniors, they go a little easier on him, but they still beat the kids. It is disturbing to me and i think that is also the point and like the big picture theme of the movie is like you endure the pain it, it's the thing about running away don't run away just take your licks and then it's fine you deal with the pain you get it out of the way and then at least in theory it's worth it right like why did we join a fraternity why would we endure the air quotes hazing that we put up with because we wanted to be in a fraternity and go to parties and meet girls. And that's what happens with Mitch in this movie. He gets the the beating and then Pink, who's the nice guy, is like, all right, now you can hang out with us. Now we're going to go to the pool hall and, hey, come along. And now we'll give you drugs and we'll introduce you to girls. And like, so you got beaten up. It's worth it. And, you know, that's debatable, but that is like the world that Richard Linklater has created where, yeah, you, you take the abuse and at least in theory, it's going to be worth it. Even on the girls' side, when they're picking all of the girls out to, to get their hazing ritual, where they have like ketchup and mustard and all kinds of food dumped on them, and then they have to do air raid drills and lie down on the ground and propose to these boys, which is humiliating. They're done, like, collecting the girls, and then one of the girls is like, hey, how about you? You come along, too. And she gets to experience all of these rituals. It's like, she kind of, in a weird fucking twisted way, that girl was lucky that she was picked to be hazed. You know, because if that didn't happen, then she has a fucking boring summer. No one knows who she is, no one cares about her. But she does get to participate in this humiliating ritual. 
Yeah, I actually like that character being picked because the uh, sorority girl that picks her, she meant to give her pacifier to some other girl, but it's it's done well that she's just about to give a pacifier to some girl, but oh, that girl already had a pacifier and she happens to have one left and picks her. I do disagree with you uh, pretty greatly, though, on your characterization of the girls. I actually think what happens to the girls is actually mostly playful fun. Really? I, yeah, they get ketchup and mustard and flour put on them. And then they tell them to like propose to the boys. I don't think it's anything that bad. They go up to some boy and they say, will you marry me? I mean, you say it's humiliating. That is humiliating. I, I, I don't think so. Something else I disagree with you greatly on, I did not join a fraternity to meet girls. Really? I did not know. I was pretty aware that our fraternity was not the one you joined to meet girls. <laughs> like, I'm serious. I, I knew of cooler fraternities and we were valid. not one of them. Totally, totally yeah. fucking valid. I, I joined the fraternity to like, honestly, for like, the, the friends and like uh, it's like any social club and and for fun stories and I have a picture of us at Hell Week and we are covered in eggs raw eggs and they put it on us and it's so much fun I, even at the time I liked it there's a picture of you covered in eggs that I have I think these things are fun you know I see what you're saying. I just saw it as, yes, I think this girl, the girl's got it way better than the boys in terms of their hazing. And I think this girl's life is definitely way better in terms of social order because she randomly got picked to be in a sorority. And I don't think she suffered at all by getting ketchup and mustard on herself. Well, when they threw all the food on us, the raw eggs and everything, we were in the fraternity house and no one else saw us. In the movie, when they throw all the food on the girls, it's in the parking lot. Everyone sees Adam Goldberg, who disapproves. He's watching it. Everybody is there. So that's humiliating. I disagree. I don't think these are random kids being beaten up. Like, there seems to be for the boys, we're picking on the losers. And, like, Mitch, he looks like a nice guy. But, like, his friends are kind of dorky. And they seem like they would be the all-American high school, like, pecking order that, that would get beaten up. No, but, I don't think that's it at all. They go for the athletes. They're picking on them because they're other athletic kids. I get it. I know. And they only get Mitch because his sister said, go easy on him. Yeah. But I'm just saying his friends that they that they run after too. Like, I'm just saying, I don't think these are random girls that are getting uh, hazed. I think these are the selected girls. So I think in a, in a certain way... I really think that some of the girls envy the girls that are being hazed. The the girl that's picked out randomly that, that we're talking about, um, she's picked out from a group of three girls. I'll bet you those two girls are like, why didn't we get picked? I do just see it differently. I think that these girls have the opportunity to join this uh, social club. I agree with you that it is considered an opportunity and it is considered a good thing and they do get something out of it. But I also think it is pretty fucking humiliating. It even comes back later on when they're at that uh, party in the, the forest by the moon tower when, like, the one girl goes over to her and is like, okay, air raid now. And uh, it's Parker Posey, who's uh, the mean uh, hazing girl. And the, the guy that she's with is like, no, you don't have to do that. I protect you. Like, it's bullshit. It's all fucking bullshit. But um, th this whole world of, like, you know, 1970s Texas 
it's not really relatable in like sort of a big picture way. And also just like I wasn't hazed in high school, you know, like, yeah, there were bullies, but it wasn't like hazing of like, we're going to fuck with you and beat the shit out of you, but then you'll be cool enough to hang out with us. That was not my high school experience at all. I did used to go to a pool hall. So I, I did appreciate that uh, in this movie, they spend a lot of time at a pool hall. That was kind of like our hangout with me and my nerdy friends. We would go and shoot pool, which is a safe thing to do on a Friday night in the suburbs. Oh, we loved it. We used to go on Tuesdays. It was $5 all you could play. Oh, wow. Yeah. Uh, ours was called Holly's. What was yours called? I don't fucking remember the name of it. I can, I can picture it. I know exactly where it was on Sunrise Highway. In Rockville Center or maybe Baldwin? I don't remember the name of it. I don't think it's there anymore. I assume you guys probably mostly played eight ball, you know, stripes and solids. Yeah, yeah, of course. Um, And then sometimes you play knockout when you have three players. You know, you play the one through five, six through ten, and then... uh, uh, 11 through 15. No, that we one. never played that. Oh, that's a great one. Like when we come from college, then we would be a little more sophisticated and we'd be like, hey guys, I learned something in college. It's called nine ball. And oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember you, that. Then you'd play nine ball and try to, and like you'd realize, like, this isn't nearly as fun as eight ball. <laughs> but like you'd be like, oh, nine, nine ball is great. <laughs> right, right, right. But you know, there were like some lines in this movie that did catch my ear of like, huh, this is a movie made in the 90s that takes place in the 70s, but some of the shit that they're saying feels perfectly real and relatable now in the 2020s. Like, when they're talking about the um, the Bicentennial is coming up, the teacher's like, okay, just remember before you go for the summer that the Bicentennial is a bunch of uh, white aristocratic slave owners who didn't want to pay their taxes. That's what you're celebrating when you celebrate the Bicentennial. Bye, kids! It's just kind of like a funny throwaway line as the kids are leaving the classroom. I was like, I could imagine someone saying that now. I remember that line and I was thinking, oh my God, if like the wrong person hears that, they're going to complain. How dare you say this woke anti-capitalism stuff and you have a socialist teaching our schools. Well, yeah, I mean, this movie takes place, I think, in the outskirts of Austin, Texas, Texas is very conservative. Austin is very liberal. I can believe that someone would say that in an Austin area school in 1976 or today. Also, the, the name of the school is Lee High School, as in General Lee, which, you know, there are still some of those schools that exist now. I think less of them. Yeah. Uh, also, this being Texas, um, there's one really kind of scary scene where Ben Affleck's chasing the uh, Mitch's character and like Mitch escapes in his own home and he's like, we're going to fucking kill you. And then the mom comes out with a cocked shotgun, right. points it at Affleck. And Ben Affleck doesn't even go like, oh, oh, ma'am, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. He's like, okay, ma'am, I'll go away. And the second the mom goes away, you're fucking dead. Like, today in Texas? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, in 2023, I would not play a prank on anybody in the state of Texas. 
And if you did, and then there was a gun, you would get the fuck out of there and you would leave that kid alone. And that would be the fucking end of it. Oh, absolutely. Um, I totally forgot most of this film. I thought that this film was going to be all about one big kegger at that guy's house. Right, right. And the whole film is a fake out because the first 20 minutes seemed to be like Can't Hardly Wait or or any of these American Pie films. Oh, you guys coming to the party? Come to the party. We'll be at the party. And the party is immediately shut down. As a father, I like it too because... In a lot of teen movies, the parents are either not in the movie at all or they are just buffoons. What happens in Dazed and Confused is the beer person comes to deliver it early and then he's like, oh, you seem to have the wrong address. And I was kind of expecting the dad to be like, oh, that's weird. All right, we can leave now. But the dad is not a moron and he's like, okay, so you're clearly planning to throw a party. Well, we're not going on our vacation now and your party's fucking canceled. I was like, huh, as a father, I like when the fathers in the movie are not fucking morons. Yeah, I do like that. So in the end, there winds up being kind of an impromptu party in kind of a park somewhere. And seems like a much cooler party than they would have had in the house. Sure. But Adam Gober's character, he gets embarrassed by some douche, you know. And the thing is, it's over. It's a little embarrassing for Adam Goldberg's character, but, like, who cares? Move on. Here's the thing. Nobody remembers it. I got one of the best pieces of advice uh, ever, which was someone once telling me the amount uh, of time that you spend thinking about this thing that happened to you and you're convinced everyone is thinking about it nobody's thinking about you, dude. Like, nobody really remembers it unless you're, like, prompted to think of that story. So Adam Goldberg's character gets uh, embarrassed and uh, pushed around a little bit, but he cannot get over it for the rest of the night. And everyone else is kind of, like, not even knowing exactly what he's talking about. He's like, oh, that, that asshole, I gotta get him back. I can't stand it. He winds up confronting the bully wrongly and does not go the way he thinks it will go at all. You know, in a lesser film or kind of more of a typical film, this would be his character's comeuppance and he gets the bully and the bully learns his lesson and gets humiliated and the, the bully's girl goes now to the nerd. And none of that happens. The bully beats the shit out of him. And yeah, Adam Goldberg is humiliated even more to the point where there's a great line by uh, Joey Lauren Adams. She's like, in like a few years, nobody's going to remember this. Like, right. A few years. <laughs> like, dude. So she's basically saying, yeah, senior year, everyone's going to know you're the guy that got beaten up at this party. And it is a hundred percent your fault because exactly zero percent of the people would remember that you were slightly embarrassed at the beginning of this party right right his character is like the intellectual guy who's like overthinking everything and some of the things he says are valid points he has a really good line about like he doesn't want everything in his life to be a preamble for something else that's what high school is. Everyone is telling you, you know, you have to prepare for your future. You have to prepare for this. And he's like, I just want to live now. I really like that line. But yeah, then he he makes a stupid decision later and gets his ass kicked. His friend, uh, the, the redhead girl, did she look familiar to you? Was it Gillian Anderson from the X-Files? No, no, just because she's a redhead. Uh, we recently watched a movie with her twin brother. Um, Linda Hamilton. No. Uh, oh, she has a 
no. twin sister. Yes. Yeah. yeah, you got your twins mess, messed up. Uh, that is Giovanni Ribisi's twin sister, Marissa Ribisi. Also, like, we can't talk about this movie without talking about Matthew McConaughey. This is his first movie that he was ever in, and it is, in a way, probably still his most famous role. I mean, maybe, debatably, but, like, when people think of Matthew McConaughey, they think, all right, all right, all right. Uh, that's the thing about high school girls. You know, I get older, they stay the same age. His production company is named like Keep On Living or like KLN or something. It, it's based on this movie. Like this movie made him basically. I only think it's funny because like, I don't think the character of Wooderson is that amazing, really. Like it's only memorable because it's Matthew McConaughey. Like, if it was anyone else, I don't know that anyone would have really remembered this guy. I mean, it's just so well cast in that this is a very difficult character to play because, no, you don't like him, but he's also, I mean, he's kind of charming, but he's also like, dude, what a fucking creep. I mean, charming in that he's a fun character. Like, yeah, Matthew McGonaghy, you're going to have to say that. And like, we're supposed to get like, oh, you creep, not like holy shit, why is anyone hanging out with this child molester? It's such a hard character to pull off, and and he pulled it off really well. Yeah, 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 yeah. I also completely forgot that Ben Affleck was in this movie. Totally, totally forgot. And he has some quote about this movie that it didn't do him any favors. Like, a lot of the other people who were cast in this movie went on to get other roles and, you know, they were noticed and people liked what they did and Dazed and Confused. He's like, I'm the only character in this movie that is purely unlikable. He gets his comeuppance, like when the they drop the paint on him. I'm gonna say halfway-ish through the movie and then he's gone. Like he doesn't come back for revenge later. That is it. That character is over and done with. And like, I can believe that his phone wasn't ringing because of Dazed and Confused Also, I don't really feel bad for him because he's been fucking Affleck and he's had a wonderful career after this movie. So it's fine. But yeah, I I completely forgot that he was in this. I'm I'm a fan. I think Ben Affleck's a good actor, good uh, director, fine enough. But uh, I love the fact that before he was famous, every role Ben Affleck is in is he is cast as douchebag number two. Uh, he's douchebag number two in uh, Mall Rats. He's douchebag number two in this film. He's douchebag number two in School Ties. He's really usually a douchebag in all these early Ben Affleck before Goodwill Hunting films. And he and Matt Damon talk about that, that. That's why they wrote Goodwill Hunting is because they wanted to have a good movie for them to act in. They didn't really care about writing, but they were like, we're not getting these good parts. So they wrote a movie that gave them good parts for themselves. And that was a very smart decision that worked very well for them. But James, let me ask you about Dazed and Confused as a whole. What do you think of the movie? You think it stands a test of time? You know, this movie really reminds me of a high school show, uh, Freaks and Geeks. Oh, yeah. And I was always so upset that it was canceled after a year. I didn't discover it till years later on DVD. But the one thing about it that I was always okay with it being canceled is that, you know, these were regular high school kids. So the school year ended. I mean, they went off to high school and like, what would have happened to them? Um... They all went back to high school in, in September, the, right. the year that we didn't get to see. Oh, but what about the bad kids? 
Yeah, they did too. And did they graduate? Yeah, it was 1980. They probably didn't drop out of high school. Not all of them went to college, maybe. There wasn't any tumultuous pregnancies, and it was a pregnancy that it was a secret father, and then there's going to be someone brings a gun to school. It's none of that stuff. It wasn't Beverly Hills now 2-0. It was just a regular high school we went to. And one thing I love about the end of this film, we don't see some everything all ties together and all these little references and, you know, nothing really gets resolved. There's no huge lesson. There's no big love story that happens at the end. Mitch eyeballs some girls and some girls smile at him and some people that smile across and there are a couple kisses that happen, but... Maybe they're together this school year, maybe not. It doesn't matter. And what ultimately happens to these people? I don't think any of them wind up being world famous. Yeah, maybe Adam Goldberg's character probably goes to college and does something professional. But I, I think this is just some average kids. I, I don't mean that in an insulting way. I mean that in that I just like this. It's just a snapshot of any random high school. And the fact is... In the end, they're probably too boring to write a series about, but not too boring to write a, a single movie about on the last day of school. And I really like it's just simple. It's pretty realistic. There's some weed. There's some bullies. But even the bullies, like, yeah, they beat him up. But, like, it crosses the line I thought it would cross, but doesn't go too much past that line. Like, yeah, they're beaten up, but every one of these boys seems to be, like, fine ten minutes later. Again, I think it's fucked up, and I think that girls, or, or nothing that bad happened to them. I just kind of like that this is a snapshot of a high school that doesn't exist anymore. Yeah, you know, 17 years is a long time for a flashback, because 93 to 76, I used to think the 70s were ancient. Yeah, it's a very different high school. And I think if you're making a high school movie about 2006 today, kids today might go like, wow. Yeah, they have like flip phones and they have sidekicks, but like nobody's recording anything. There's no one doing it for the gram. And it's very different, but it's it's somewhat romanticized. And I like this day and I kind of envy them. I don't really love the 70s as a, as a, as a decade that I envy, but... I wish I could have gone to this high school. It seems kind of fun. Yeah, I would probably have gone paddled a little, but it wouldn't have been that bad. And I, I just like Richard Linklater's simplistic idea that in a, a lesser director or a lesser script would have done some things that maybe at the surface satisfied me that have tied all this stuff together and Ben Affleck's humiliated and his pants fall down and his truck is destroyed. But... He didn't really need that because, you know what, that doesn't really happen to that character. So I think the film works and uh, it stands the test of time. So what do you think, Al? Yeah, I, I agree with you. And Richard Linklater has said basically what you just said uh, in interviews, that he's writing his own experience. It wasn't crazy like you see in the movies with these big dramatic events. It was about finding beer it was about driving around and being bored and trying to figure out a way to be slightly less bored. That was his life. That was what he grew up doing. That's very fucking relatable. That's what most high school kids are doing. It's not all life or death stakes, and it doesn't have to be. I think you said it perfectly. It's a snapshot. It is a snapshot in these characters' lives, and it works. I don't really like a ton of these characters. I really only like Mitch, you know, the freshman who gets his ass kicked and then he 
gets to hang out with the cool kids and he gets to make out with the girl. I'm rooting for him. I'm not really actively rooting for anyone else. What about Pink, Jason London's character? He's fine, but I don't really give a shit about the whole signing a pledge story. That just feels very empty to me because the solution is so fucking obvious. Sign it and then do the drugs you want to do anyway. That's what everyone else is doing. That's what they're all telling him to do. They can't enforce it. He's going to play football. They need him on the football team. So sign the stupid piece of paper and lie. Who cares? That's what every high school kid would do. That's what we had. Didn't you have like the varsity athletes against substance abuse? I think VASA or something. Uh, um, yeah, I, I totally remember that back when I was a varsity athlete in high school. No, I was never fucking varsity. Yeah, but I remember of those people and you would see like all those kids at the parties drinking and like, you know, they got like an extra pin on their jacket or something, their letterman's jacket. I didn't know that that existed. I was nowhere near varsity. But I mean, don't you hear that all the fucking time about like these people who take their chastity pledges in their church group and then they're off having sex like on the weekends no nobody pays any attention to that shit just recently in the news there was uh, the jonas brothers and they talked about they used to wear those purity rings and now that all this stuff about some divorces is coming out one of them said yeah you know we wore those for like four years after we lost our virginity it's bullshit it's fine everyone expects it to be bullshit and like pink's whole like crisis about they are trying to make me be someone I'm not and it goes against my principles. I understand that that's important to like a 14, 16, however year old he is. That storyline just didn't really grab me. It didn't really move me or whatever. It's fine. I'm not saying it's bad. I just didn't really connect to it. Because of the hazing, I really didn't like a lot of the characters, even the ones who aren't that bad. If you're still like really excited about paddling a 13-year-old kid just a couple times, that that's still pretty fucked up, in my humble opinion. But whatever, it's a different time. Also, the fact that it's a movie that takes place in the 70s and it was made in the 90s, it kind of gives it more of a nostalgia feel. I fucking love the soundtrack. You know, I haven't listened to these discs in a while, but I was listening to the Spotify playlist earlier and it's just filled with great classic rock songs. And yeah, the movie works. So I'm going to say it does stand the test of time. You know, I've always wanted to see another Richard Linklater film that uh, he says is a spiritual successor to this film. Everybody wants some. Yeah, you know, it's funny you bring that up. I had it in my head that it was like kind of in the vein of Dazed and Confused, but made by like some other random director who was just trying to do a Dazed and Confused kind of movie. And then I saw that it really was Richard Linklater kind of doing the same bit. It got like bad reviews, I think, right? No, I think it got good reviews. It was about college, uh, not high school. So that's why he means spiritual successor. Okay. Sort of like the way that uh, the spiritual successor to Freaks and Geeks is uh, undeclared. Right. Which is when they go from average high school to like Paul Feig or Judd Apatow's uh, college experience. Right, right, right. But that's going to do it for us this week. Next week, we're going to be talking about another movie that's having its anniversary. Night at the Roxbury is turning 20. And we are going to be joined by a very special guest, Mark, from the Release Date Rewind podcast. Mark said that he had a soft spot for this movie, so I'm really excited to hear what he says about it. Until then, we want to hear from you guys. Tell us your hazing stories. What were you like as a teenager? It doesn't matter when you grew up, if it was the 70s, 80s, 90s, aughts, who cares? Tell us a funny 
high school story, a funny driving around story, a funny hazing story, you can write to us. We are at Testing Time Pod on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Threads, Twitter, X, whatever. And we'll see you next time, everybody. Bye.